0: Hey there, my name is Erin Deal, and I'm a half southern, half Midwestern mama. Some call this voice a nasal twang. Who took $5,000 to build and scale a one of a kind experiential organization that improves the lives of corporate professionals through personal development, humanity, and humor. Along the way, I've built client relationships with some of the most notable companies in the country, all while attracting a rock star team of experts and hilarious facilitators. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Well, what I didn't tell you is that my resume also includes a long list of comedy shows I bombed, improv teams I didn't make, companies who told me no, and many a heartache when it came to becoming a mother. I want to show you the real deal of the grit, creativity, and determination it takes to overcome your disappointments, embrace the suck, and design the career you could only dream about. I believe we all have our own unique gifts that we bring to the world and it is our mistakes that help to unwrap them. Welcome to Failed It. Welcome to Failed It, the podcast that reminds you, you have to fail in order to improve. I'm Erin Deal, the founder of Improve It and your host. And today, I am so excited to have my friend, Kelly Fair, a founder of Polished Pebbles, on the show. So let me give you the amazing background of Miss Kelly Fair. Kelly is a founder of Polished Pebbles Girls Mentoring Program. Founded 10 years ago, Polished Pebbles has helped more than 3,000 girls in Illinois, Indiana, and Texas find their voice, improve their communication skills, and build their skills for future careers. Kelly is a sought after speaker for mentoring, communication skills, girls' development and job readiness, professional leadership development, and social entrepreneurship. She's a dynamic storyteller, a communications expert, and a relatable voice with the keen ability to penetrate the hearts of women with her honesty and expertise. Through her authentic conversational speaking style, she connects across socioeconomic statuses, intergenerationally, and cross-culturally, making her a phenomenal speaker or training facilitator in a conference setting. So her ability to polish pebbles, helping young women and girls shine, has brought her recognition from Bank of America ComEd, Verizon, Google, Duke University, DuSable Museum of African American Culture, Social Enterprise Alliance, and more. So since launching Polish Pebbles Girls Mentoring Program, Kelly's signature communications and job readiness programming has expanded from elementary age girls to include high school, college programs, families, prominent women leaders, and to sites in Northwest Indiana, Dallas, Texas, and North Carolina. So Kelly has been featured in Ebony Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, MSNBC, The Chicago Sun-Times, and Chicago Women Magazine.
1: Welcome to Failed It, Kelly! Yay! Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and be a part of this. Oh,
0: I'm so excited to have you. And I just want our listeners to know this is going to be a different type of show So I know, and I adore Kelly, Um, we met at the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program in Chicago. We were both a part of the same cohort together, and we just became instant friends. Um, I have to tell you, Kelly, that I respect the crap out of you. You know this (laughs) and your work. And we both supported each other's organizations for the past two years, and now, given everything that's going on with the tragic death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, I legit could not think of anyone better to come on this show and talk about the failures we've had as a country and honestly, as white people, when it comes to racism. So, Kel, you and I are about to hold hands through the microphones, okay? this is what I like to call the ick factor. And so that's something we always say. It's like when your armpits get really sweaty and you're like, oh, I'm becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. But I honestly, myself and my audience, I think really need to hear this. So are you ready?
1: I'm ready. I, I, I put on some deodorant. From from earlier, so I think I'm prepared. I think I'm prepared. Me
0: too. Me too. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, and I were on a Zoom call earlier um, with about uh, for a whole other thing, and I made the mistake of raising my arm and showing my deodorant. So <laughs> I applied. <again>. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, again, adore you, love you, thank you for doing this. So.
1: Adore you as much too. Thank you so much for providing this space and following your vision um, for having this conversation. So, thank you. Oh, girl,
0: it is my pleasure. And I, like I said earlier to you, I am here to guide it. I also am here to learn. And you and I talked about this too, but it's really an opportunity as a nation and just as individuals to give each other grace as we go through this learning process. So I just want to say, we're going to hold hands, get the deodorant ready, because here
1: we go. <laughs> get, the t- get the tissues too. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> Put them in your armpits and under your eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <Yeah>.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God, or in your bra, whatever feels right. Okay. Um So, now, hard segue, hard turn, okay? So, this is the Failed It podcast, as you know. So, we talk about the failures that lead to people's success, and so yours is going to be a little bit different of a show today, just because there's so much going on in the world, and the death of George Floyd has really just brought this Black Lives Matter movement to the forefront of people's thoughts It's been really challenging as a leader to work and not think about this. And I I know you too, you run an organization, you're a founder of an organization for young women and do so much great work. I just want to call attention to the failures of our nation, okay? So how have we as a nation failed at recognizing racism in the past?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, as I was kind of thinking and preparing for this, um, you know, I just really thought about how much of a struggle it was for me as a young person, just really learning an accurate depiction of American history and how we all, and especially how African-Americans and Black people have been a part of that. That's not always a story that's openly talked about that's accurately depicted and 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 told. And it's almost as if, you know, sometimes as if what has happened um in the course in the history of our country, it's almost like it doesn't even really exist. It doesn't matter. And there's no space to think about it, to be truthful about it, to talk about it at all. So I think that that's a huge failure on our part. Um so, you know, who how how does anybody feel like they matter? If your history and what has really occurred with you and your family, your legacy and a whole group of people um, doesn't get the same billing and the same level of, of gravity that that others do. So I think that's part of it. The other thing I, I was hearing, because we've all been, you know, Aaron reading, listening, podcasting, scrolling through, you know, social media timelines and things like that. You know, when we think about George Floyd, which is really you know, catapulted us into these discussions. Um, It was eight minutes and 46 seconds that that officer's knee was on George Floyd's neck. And that's infuriating. It, it, It made us mad. It made us hurt, tearful, upset. But that's just eight minutes and 46 seconds. There have been 400 years for Black people in the United States of America that we've faced inequities, that we face violence, that we face murder. And so when we see a lot of the reaction that has occurred recently, um, it's from 400 years and we can't forget that. But as a country, it's so easy for us to skip right over it because it's not something that we talk about. It's not even some textbook companies. If you look in certain states, they don't even talk about slavery. Instead of it, saying and calling a thing a thing and calling it slavery, they call it indentured servitude. And that wasn't any indentured servitude. So I think until we get really comfortable with being honest about what has occurred, um, not just in the last week or two weeks, but really what's occurred in America for the last 400 years, we're going to continue to fail. So I'm hoping today, you know, moving forward, all of us can be a lot more committed To educating ourselves and being really honest about, hey, this is where we've been and this is where we still are. And we've got to have really frank conversations and face it or we're going to fail.
0: (laughs) Girl, Kelly, that spoke to me like eight minutes, 46 seconds, 400 years. That. Yeah. It makes me sad, honestly. And I know, you know, um a lot of people feel that way. And I know that as a nation, we have a lot to learn as a you know person in business, a, a business leader, we have a lot to learn. So knowing that we're going to move forward, what do you think that we can learn? What is like one of the biggest lessons that we can learn from brushing over the past? What can we do to move forward? And what lesson is that? teaching us in future generations?
1: Well, you know, last night, um, you know, because everybody's been having so many conversations, I think that is part of the, the, the tragedy we face with COVID-19, right? With the deaths and the disparities and the health and loss of jobs and things like that. But some of the silver lining in that experience is it's really forced us to be a lot more present. Uh, and a lot more available for thinking and for talking and having conversations. And so I was involved with another conversation last night, and thank God for the conversations. And I brought one of the young ladies who is a young college student um, that works for our organization and actually mentors other younger girls. Um, but, you know, she's still a young woman herself. And as she was sharing in this group about her experience through the George Floyd um, piece, she says, we are history. We are living history right now. So I think when we think about four hundred years, we definitely need to go back and think about it. But then we are all descendants of our history right here and now. So you can open up a history book anytime you sit down to a coworker, a neighbor, somebody that goes to school, the lady you see in Walmart that likes to shop at seven thirty a.m. like Kelly Fair does, <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> um, So if we connect with each other, we can connect back to that history because we're living history. And I saw this meme because I know we we've been talking too about like, are you exhausted from social media? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. But there are some gems, you know, that you get and people are sharing. And um, Erin, there is this one that I got. I want to give shout outs about it because when when we think about um, and, and maybe we may chat about this a little bit more, what is it like? You know, what, what's that load of that eight minutes and 46 seconds? How does that then bear a load on me as a Black woman? How does that load of, of 400 years of oppression, violence, discrimination, wearing on me as a Black woman? There was this really great um, meme, and I'd, I'd love to share it with your group maybe one time. It's called The Invisible Load of Motherhood, Mothering Black Children. So shout out to at um, X. I think that is the 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 user who put this out. But think about this. These are all the things that a black mother has to deal with as her invisible load that nobody thinks about, nobody pays attention to because she's mothering her black children. Here's one. She's protecting their childhood innocence, right? Because a lot of times black kids, Tamir Rice in Cleveland was not described as a boy. He was described as a young man. He was 12 years old. Mm. He's a boy. He's innocent, you know? So they have to protect their innocence, convince the world of their worth. Black mothers have to teach their Black children how to respond to racism. They have to choose daycares and schools that have representation of other Black students there so that they're not always having to be the only one. They have to fear for their safety because of the skin color. They have to educate them on their history. Worry about unequal opportunities. Worry about a child being perceived as a threat by the world. Make sure that they have black and brown friends that they can connect with. Teach them to love their skin and hair. Because often, a lot of times, that's not represented in the media, uh, a strong loving of of dark skin or brown skin and, and kinky and curly hair. Inspire them to break stereotypes. And then if that wasn't enough, Feel the pressure to have well-behaved children, because if you think about stereotypes and about black kids, you know, that are out there, wild, black kids are wild, they're unruly, they're animals, you know, so just think about that. When you think about what does racism look like, how does it deal with this person that I see on a regular day-to-day ba- basis from the perspective of a single or as a, a of a black mother raising black children, these are the things that she's contending with just every day just every day. And so I I think we have to have those kind of conversations so that we can connect with the people in our lives or in our neighborhoods and our communities to get a better sense of my God, what's your load like every day? Because you're a black woman, because you're a black girl, you're a black man, you're a black boy. What is that like for you?
0: Man, Kelly. Okay. First of all, we're going to link to that in the show notes. So people can see that for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So beautiful. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I just got fake eyelashes for the first time since COVID started, and I started tearing up. Okay, so I'm, like, fanning my eyeballs over here. Um, Don't come off. Don't come (laughs) off. Um, Which, again, it's so that invisible load. You know, I'm a new mom, and I am obviously white, and I that is not fair. It's not fair. Like, I really feel that way. I, I truly feel like it's not fair. I do, and it makes my heart hurt. And I, I, I need these lashes to stay on, so I can't, <laughs> I can't keep going. But it's okay. so true. And man, I, I'm so glad that you and I are having this conversation. And I actually know that there are a lot of women who listen to this show, and a lot of mothers. And I'm, I'm. I know there's a lot of white women listening and I hope that that resonated. And I hope that the word empathy is something you and I have talked about at length, Cal. And I, I just put myself in a, in a black mom's shoes for a second and it freaking sucked. Like it was hard to think about. And I, that's what empathy is, is really thinking about that. And I know that this death of George Floyd has You know, the eight minutes and 46 seconds has really um, brought about a lot of conversation, which is necessary. But I think anyone listening, go back and re-listen to that story one more time. And I want you to put yourself in that woman's shoes. Because that that is hard to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and shout outs to moms because motherhood is just hard, period. Um, But to have to carry all of that. Now, you talk about empathy, you know, that that's the wonderful thing, again, about what COVID-19 is really kind of providing us with an opportunity to Aaron again, which is like it has been such a stressful, catastrophic time um, that has really kind of pushed all of us to realize, hey, we are all in all in this together. Um, you know, so we've had lots of moments, but I think yesterday when I was watching this, um, parts of the George Floyd memorial um, service, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton had those other moms who've lost their kids, the Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, all of the other Michael Brown from St. Louis right outside of, in Missouri. They had all of those families and those mothers stand. And that's just too many. Yeah. And those are the, just that we know about because we've seen the videos. And they've become these huge, you know, controversies. So just, you know, again, thinking about, my God, what is that like to bury a child? Um, but to definitely bury a child in the face of such an injustice. Um, but, it, you know, that's a fear that Black mothers are living with every day as the, you know, mother of, of, a, of a son. Um, but to be quite frank, you know, with my work with Polish Pebbles and working with girls, there's a lot of fear. I've seen the videos and maybe if they're not as well known, but girls are up against black girls in particular. You talk about making sure that the, the, the world and the, and, and the country sees their worth and their value. You know, these are kids and our girls definitely don't feel value. Girls don't feel value all the time, period. But being a black girl is not an easy thing. Um, so it, it's a it's a really tough load. Um, but it but it takes the empathy. It takes an opportunity, and and this is something we've been talking about too. And maybe you want to chat more about it. Is the opportunity to create space to learn and hear those stories? Because that's the other thing we've been able to, you know, start thinking about is how do we talk to each other so we can hear more about it.
0: I love it. I so oh, Cal and and you and I are spending the day together t- today. Really, just all having
1: day, all day, all day.
0: Um, and. You know, I say this on a lot of our podcast shows and and I ask this question. So, you know, Improve It has a chicken hat, you know, because I brought it to Polish Pebbles. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So our chicken hat exists as a way to get people in our workshops comfortable with the uncomfortable pretty quickly. It's literally a chicken hat with legs and sneakers on its feet and anytime you hear the word improv we pass the chicken hat to the person on their right we do the chicken dance when we're in person now in a virtual world we do it over zoom and it's amazing um but so i always ask what is your chicken champion moment what would kelly fair say that we as white people in society what would you say is the best thing that we could do right now? And what would you say um, is there's a moment in your life that has happened recently or in the past that really pushed you to become comfortable with the uncomfortable? So that's question one. What, what was that chicken champion moment and then how can we learn from that and apply that to what is going on in the world right now? Big question.
1: Yeah, it is. I think we're having a chicken champion moment right now, to be mm-hmm. honest, Erin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you know, we actually w- were in Goldman and Sachs together back in 2017. We're 3 years later and we're still connected. Yeah. We're 3 years later and we're still working with each other. We're 3 years later and you still felt the comfort level to say, "Let's talk about this." And I was like, "I don't know if I'm gonna want to talk about it, you know, because it's a heavy issue." But we're yeah. 3 years later, And we've been committed to that relationship. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, when we are in spaces where we're studying together, we're, you know, working together, and then we all go home to our separate worlds. The 15-week program is over. The nine to five is over. And yeah, I like you. But then, you know, because of how our society operates, sometimes we don't connect again. This is a chicken champion moment. We are connecting. We are connecting others. We are having real conversations and we're creating a safe space to learn with one another. So I think the chicken champion moments are when we create spaces for us to uh, form relationships and be friends and be colleagues. And so what do I think people need to kind of get out of it is, um, and I think some of the things that we intuitively did, um, because we have good times talking about armpits and sweat and all these (laughs) other things. But I think, What we're really doing is creating a space. So I think people need to think about your colleagues, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, and ask them, can you create a space like this? You know, so I think out of these moments, they need to think about, you know, and and we're going to be nervous. We're going to be uncomfortable because. Nobody wants to have these conversations. I mean, we move on a 24-hour news cycle. So we're usually on to a new catastrophe or controversy before we know it. We don't stay in a moment. But I think we have to stay in this moment. And ask the people if you want to have real conversations about what's going on and what life is like for that mom carrying that load or your coworker. Ask for grace. You know what I mean? We have to be willing to give grace. To uh, people who are trying to figure it out and trying to learn and going to fumble and make mistakes, and at the same time that person has to ask me, and that's my commitment: is to provide that level of grace of understanding. I think when we're trying to create these spaces, it's important that we basically establish some level of trust there too, so that we can say things, we can know this is a safe space. Um, You know, what's said here is in in love or not out of malice. Um, That space is for learning. I think it's important. And then it has to be rich um with forgiveness. Um, because we're not gonna get it right all the time. We may hurt or trigger somebody in a way that we didn't know. And I think that requires a lot of understanding, um, and, and a and a commitment there. So I think, you know, this is a champion moment right here because I, I've had tons of colleagues that I have loved in previous jobs, and it's kinda like, you know, um, and being a native Chicagoan. I mean, Chicago is a very segregated city, and when you grow up here, you know the lines, right? You don't cross. When you go across this expressway, it's a totally different neighborhood, totally different group, totally different culture. You may not go over there at certain times. You may not go over there ever, and or alone as a black person or as this kind of person, you know. So, I have desired to have stronger relationships sometimes with coworkers, but I'm telling you. Once that nine to five is over or you've left that job, they may keep in touch for a while. And then it fades out. And that, unfortunately, has become far too normal. So we're in a chicken champion moment, honey, because we're at our three-year anniversary. And-
0: I'm th- I just screamed at everyone's ear. Woo! Okay. I love it. And and Kel- you know I do. I do. Yeah. And I, you know, I just have... I. I literally have just praised you this whole show and I did it earlier today, but I I mean it. Like I just knew in my heart that, that, you know, you and I've connected on so many levels and I just want to tell people what the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program is too really quick. it's a, it's a, a three-month, 15-week program for business owners. And we become a cohort of business owners. And in those 15 weeks, you do over 200 hours of work to create a five year growth plan for your business. And it's, you have to get heavily vetted to get in this program. It is rigorous. You, I, I said this earlier, but it's like when you hear those reality show contestants being best friends for life, it's because you've gone through something together that uh, nobody else can understand. That's how Kelly and I met. And, she won this rocket pitch. That's what it's called, Kel, rocket pitch. Uh, So this rocket pitch round, it's basically shark tank where you have to share your growth plan to investors in three minutes. And her and I always talked, you know, during class after class, we would get some cocktails. Um, And uh, but her pitch was just so beautiful. And I've just, Love, I just love the work that you do in the world for Polished Pebbles, for the community, for Chicago, for the different states that you've started to go into. And um I I just am so honored that we're having this conversation today. I hope you know that because you are a light, and I feel so many people that listen to this show need to hear, and I need to hear what you have to say. So I want to jump back into what you're talking about with your colleagues, and um, you know, you go to the nine to five, and then you lose touch because we are having our three year anniversary. Woo woo um, <laughs> But so, so for for people in leadership roles or just people in the workforce right now, I want to call this nailing it versus failing it. Okay, how do we nail it and best support? And check in on our Black colleagues at this time. Is it appropriate to do that?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. I think it's, um, you know, as I I was thinking about it, you know, you have to really be empathic. You know, we have to think about the same level of empathy that we would want extended to us. So, you know, I know last Monday, I was just, I was mentally and emotionally exhausted. You know, after the weekend with all the protests and then, it, you know, kind of turned into some of the looting and rioting. And, you know, for me, it was very close to home, even in my own neighborhood. So I needed some of that space. And I had friends and allies who called me like, "Look, I don't know what to do. I need to do something. How are you thinking? I'm feeling. And I had to be honest. I said, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm tired from COVID, you know, and owning the business and pivoting for the last three months. To keep a remote business going, you know, and then the week, and then this. Um, and so you never know, you know, how people are reacting, but I think you have to be empathetic. It, it could be thinking about it from the standpoint how would you want to be approached if one of your family members was just involved in a tragic accident, you know, and um, how would you want somebody to approach you then? I think you approach it with the same lens. Or the, the other thing about COVID 19 that I've been really, grateful about is it's caused me to pause and think about stop being so much about the bottom line um and think about the people right so yeah i need you i need did you get this email done did you get this done you know it's payroll through and and because covid has come so close for so many of us you know you have to pause and say hey send that first text message saying how are you are you good how's everything how's your family you know Because you got to provide that space that people are experiencing things. And maybe there's a family member that passed or not before you move into things. So I think we have to think about it and approach it with the lens of empathy and how would you want to be approached in certain situations? And I think this one is no different. It is a traumatic situation that a lot of people are having traumatic reactions to. And we have to be mindful about that. So I think the, the rule of thumb is you don't have to not approach. And you don't have to not say anything. I think you just have to think about, you know, being empathetic and how would you want to be approached in such a situation? And I think the other thing that's important to say is, yes, for many for many black people, for many people, period, it just has been traumatic. It's been a traumatic three months for many of us. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think you could do it. Just be empathetic.
0: Love it we i told you this earlier that word is just resonating with me and in our work from home membership we did we have an activity we do actually call empathy and we started last week it was just so hard to focus and we started by getting in partners and one person would just say how they're doing and the other person just listens and then they repeat back in first person what the other person said as if they were saying it themselves and going back to your whole, um, the carrying the load, the mother, the black woman, black mother carrying the load, invisible load, that's what it's called. Doing that, I did that exercise. And it's just, that's so, that is, I think, the best answer I've heard to that question. It's, It's because if you just put yourself in somebody else's shoes, who's really hurting right now, how would you want to be reached out to? How would you want to be given grace? And I just think it's so wonderful that you continue to drive that word home, so thank you, Kel. Love that. Thank you. Let me ask you this: uh-huh. Failed it podcast. <laughs> what are some ways we cannot fail at being an ally, aka how can we be the best ally possible to our black coworkers in both this virtual and non-virtual work environment?
1: I think we just can't miss the opportunities to just connect with people in the most intimate ways as possible. Um, I'm an old school, you know, I'm an, I'm an eighties and the nineties kids. So I still like the phone, yep. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, so sometimes so much gets lost in translation with emails and text messages. And so we may not be down the hall from folks anymore in our offices. Um, but, you know, and we're virtual You know, but sometimes picking up that phone call and having a good joke about, can you believe so-and-so sent that email? Oh my God, you know, the finance department is crazy. You know, those are important moments to, uh, you know, create those connections and start building those bridges, you know, to maintain trust. And that could be the opportunity that you could say, well, how are you? How are you doing? And I think when it's done in a very authentic way, The other person can hear that. They can receive that. And then it can open up doors for other things. And sometimes some of us don't have a whole lot to say. I think that's okay too. You know, but when you are approaching it from a very intentional space of wanting to be empathetic, want to share some love, you can't fight that. It's going to come through. So I think that's important. And then the other thing I've been trying to be more mindful of is, you know, I love working from home. And I love not having to comb, comb my hair all the time. <laughs> uh, don't, tell, don't tell everybody. Um, and so I will throw up a, a, a profile picture or the College Publix logo in a minute, you know, as I'm in Zoom meetings and Google meetings. Um, but, so I think sometimes though, again, we can't miss those opportunities to connect. People need to see your face, yeah. see how you're doing. You know, we need to see their face because that demonstrates and sends a message about worth and value, and that you matter to me. Um, and so, I think those are, you know, just small little things that we can do to be more conscious of, you know, connecting with folks. And again, I think um, it's those small things that create foundations that provide those bridges for us to start having those deeper conversations, those deeper level connections to build that level of trust that hopefully we can help undo. Some of this four hundred years of failure when it comes to race relations in in the U.S.
0: <laughs> oh, Kelly, I love that. I also have to caveat when you said that you didn't do your hair. Um, that is not what I took away from that. But I just have to say, the name polished pebbles exists for a reason. Kelly's like the most polished person that you'll ever meet. Her shoes, her everything, just is like <laughs> head to toe un- coordinated. So, call me one day when you're you don't have your hair done and I'll, <laughs> I'll do the same, and we'll uh, that'll be a fun time because I think that's what's also happening is authenticity. people are showing their yeah, real yeah. selves, and it's like it's just yeah. if we're getting back to what matters, right like yep. and
1: yeah, yep. oh, I love this, this is my house, this is what it is, you know what I mean now I see the people on t v and I'm like, I have taken so many screenshots like. That, book, that bookshelf is amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm going to organize my books like that. <laughs> right. A, an
0: organized bookshelf is an art form. I will say that. Yes. It really is. Well, and speaking of real, you may hear um, a baby in just a moment because it's almost his nap time over here. So guess what? Real life. Hashtag real life over here. Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. Just a couple more cues here. So let me ask you this. Once we've acknowledged that the racial inequality and the need for systematic and cultural change in America is there. What is one step in taking action to support Black Lives Matter? What is one thing our listeners could do today to support this movement?
1: I think one thing you can do. Uh, there was a couple of things I was thinking about, but I think you—it's okay to take a risk because it's very risky for us to have those conversations. I don't know if people remember from years ago when Starbucks was taking the lead and saying, "You know what, America, we need to have conversations about society and race, and let's do it with your neighborhood barista as you're picking up your morning coffee." And people were just like, "Uh, no," <laughs> and, and, it, and it failed, right? But they took a risk, and it's something that some of us still remember. I remember, and so I think it's important to sometimes take a risk because. This, you know, maybe there's a coworker that you've liked or you've admired from afar and you want to approach, but you're not sure. Take that risk. So I think taking that risk to approach or thinking about how you want to talk to them is okay. Um, I think that you'll live. I think that's an important thing to think about is take the risk and then accept the fact that no matter what happens, because your intentions were were pure, you'll bounce back and you'll live. I've learned that over time um just living life. And then that there's opportunities and there's real success and failure. You know, so in that maybe those those cause one of the things that they say is really important to build is trust in relationships, um, is vulnerability. And so a lot of times when we seemingly fail, you know, cause maybe maybe they wasn't well received and maybe they weren't as receptive as we thought that they would be. There's success in that because their strength is showing vulnerability. It could be that maybe it wasn't the most happy relationship or conversation at that time, but maybe because you demonstrated and took a risk and shown some vulnerability, maybe they'll show up and be vulnerable with you later. Or sometimes we plant seeds and it do not always bloom with us, but maybe they'll take a step and be more receptive and be vulnerable with somebody else. So I used to have a mentor that said, we're always teaching. And so I think that when we take those small things like risk, seeing success and failing and knowing that you'll bounce back, um, we're, aware if we're, we're learning from it, but somebody's watching you too. Um, and so even if you seemingly fail, somebody's watching you and they're learning and they'll be more courageous and taking risks and having tough conversations or maybe pushing through and educating themselves. So um, we're always mentoring um, somebody, whether it's intentional or not. And so, you know, we need to be our best selves in, in, in trying times like this.
0: Kelly hashtag failed it amazing because that is <laughs> that is the name of this podcast and truly, I think why it's important to like taking that risk and you know even for me, I'll be honest having this conversation, I was nervous. Another yeah. thing I would say to people listening is where do you it but like yeah <laughs> you know I'm so happy that you and I decided to do this together. It's uncomfortable at first, but I feel like you and I, I've learned so much and there's probably been things I've said or didn't say in this podcast that some people might've listened to and been like, Oh, she didn't do this or she should have said this. And you know, that's okay. Cause I'm, we're learning together. And exactly what you just said is, is if I'm sharing something and I might've failed through this, that, Other people are listening and they can learn from it. And that's really what it is all about is.
1: I think that's huge, Erin, because I'm going to be honest with you. I was fearful about this conversation as well. Um, And just things in general, I'm ready to really continue to grow and groom myself into next levels of leadership. And that, and that, and it's, and it's because some of the work that we do requires different, different angles and different strengths and different skills. And so but I get afraid because we got that cancel culture out mm-hmm. here. We're on if you tweet the wrong thing or you say it wrong or how dare she post this on the day like today mm-hmm. and you're afraid that somebody's gonna say something or block you or or respond. I mean, my God, mm-hmm. but what it does is if we let that consume us, it stops us from leading in the ways in which we're supposed to do. Yep. So, you know, it's been a lesson for me too. One, kudos to you for providing this platform and sharing your microphone because it definitely was a risk. Um, but, but, but I think that that's the other thing is we all need to stop being so daggone critical mm-hmm. and provide people with a little grace. I don't need to respond to everything I see on social media, you know what I mean? And form an immediate opinion right away. Um, you know, but cause it, it's blocking people from stepping out um, and, and growing and demonstrating leadership and, my God, that, that person that may be fearful um, could have the solutions, right. could, could you know, set an example. So, uh, you know, that's another, uh, maybe you guys I have another podcast about, <laughs> I, I don't know what the, the, but social media fear. Like, oh my God, please don't tweet me. Please don't block me. <laughs>
0: right. Because it's so true. It's so true. You're sure. almost like, I have thought about that a lot. And I, I appreciate you saying that. We'll have you back, you know, round two. Cancel, cult- cancel culture, cancel <laughs> culture, hashtag cancel culture. Oh my God. Okay, Y'all Prepare for that. Put on like several rounds of DO for that. Um, so, so, okay. So Kel, I got some failed at questions coming at you. Okay? okay. This is getting back to failed at the podcast and what we've talked about is failure. So what would you do if you knew Kelly Fair could not fail?
1: Um, Walk into my next chapter. (gasps) I think that that's something that I've actually been grappling with. And I'm grateful for COVID-19 for really providing that space for that to say. So if you had to release this or release that or had to make some different decisions and change this, change that, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Because you've got something in you and you know that it's there. Um, would you do it? And that's a conversation I've been having with myself really for the last couple of weeks, last month or so, probably for a long time. But it's really facing me in such a way. So, yeah, I think move past the, the fears of what folks may say and, and, and what criticisms may come and just move on and do me.
0: <laughs> I love that. And speaking of chapters, Miss Kelly Fair has a book coming out. Yay! Yay! Which um, I want you to plug at the end of the show. I'm going to tell you to plug all the things. So tell us the title. <laughs> tell us the title.
1: Yeah, it's Every Girl's a CEO. It's a career and success guide for girls. So I'm so excited to talk about it at the end. It's a great, great, great piece. <laughs> well, we've
0: already had people pre uh, pre sale purchase it today earlier because we were on a, yep. a fireside chat. So we'll put that in the show notes. Kelly, what did you fail at today? It's 2 p.m. Central. What did you fail at today? Uh,
1: internet service. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? But, but when I think about young Kelly, you know, so, I, I, you know, it, it rained pretty hard last night. And so I think it may have impacted some of the, um, the Internet service in my home. And so I got really concerned and I didn't want to take a chance. And so I was like, well. My family doesn't live far from here. So let me go over there and use their internet just to be on the safe side. But when I think about younger Kelly, that would have been enough to like throw me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I'm going to sweat my armpits out. I'm going to sweat my and curl out. Um, you know, my makeup is going to be streaming down my face. So when you think about failing it, failing it when you've done it enough and you realize again that there's life after that and that really failure is the womb for success. You learn with time to have more grace. So you learn how to listen to that still small voice more than you did before. Um, you learn how to know, okay, cool, ain't no big deal. We don't have to have this kind of background. I can use this one, you know. So you learn to go with the punches and go with the process and trust yourself a lot more. Um, so, yep, filled at that internet thing, but came right on over and and, and made some magic happen here. So yes, I'm, I'm see, like,
0: dude, I that is amazing and um I love that this show has been about armpits as well. So we will also maybe tag our favorite deodorant.
1: Sponsor the you can sponsor the next improvement and, and polish <laughs> Can we get degree
0: <laughs> to sponsor this show, please? Or secret. Secret. That I'll tell right. you what. Secret, you know it's secret ain't no secret. I'm I'm not they're not going to want to sponsor this. I've had failed attempts with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kelly, this is what we call the fail yeah lightning round, okay? So I'm going to throw some some um, uh, questions to you and I just want you to respond with sure. a one word answer, okay? Know that you can't okay. fail, but if you say more than one word, I'm going to say fail yeah. All right? so fun and cheesy. That's how I do, you know? All right. So are you ready for Phil? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I am.
0: One word to describe your early career. Fun. One word to describe where you're currently at in your career. Newness. Oh, okay. One word to describe your future self, whatever comes to mind. Wise. Oh, one word to describe your favorite boss. Dudley. Oh, one word to describe your least favorite boss. Sheesh. <laughs> Ooh, love it. Love That's it. That's word. Sheesh. Sheesh. Um, one word to describe your management style.
1: Authentic. Mm-hmm.
0: One word to describe polished pebbles. Purposeful. One word to describe Kelly Fair. Every day. And one word to describe this interview. Divine. Oh, Kelly, yeah. I didn't have to fail. You you nailed it. You didn't failed it. You totally failed it.
1: Oh, um, well, wait, but this is like the slow way. I, if you timed it, I probably took too long. Maybe I should add that rule in. That's the next. Next. <laughs> hey,
0: when we do cancel culture, I'll add a time round just oh, to really uh-huh. spice it up. Yeah. <laughs> No, no that's, yeah. <laughs> that's enough pressure in itself. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're right. Old Spice deodorant. We're going to really need you for that one. Okay. So, Kelly, <laughs> how can we find you? Plug your book. Tell us all the things to find Kelly Fair.
1: Sure. So, if you want to support Polish Pebbles Girls Mentoring Program, you can find us at www.polishpebbles.com. If you're interested in hearing more about Kelly Fair and learning and maybe having you come out and speak with your group or maybe in your school district, you can find me in the Polish Public site, but at kellykfair.com. And at kellyfair.com, you can also find pre-sales for my new book, Every Girl is a CEO. It's a career success guide for girls. It essentially kind of puts everything in one place, a toolkit for girls to find the strength the courage, And we're protecting girls' abilities to dream, even in the midst of COVID-19, even at home, even in their backyards in their neighborhoods, to dream about their future selves and their future successful careers. So it's an awesome, awesome career and success book that every girl should have, every school district should have. And again, you can find it at kellykfair.com. <laughs> Woo!
0: Oh, and we will link to all of that in the show notes as well. So please go out, pre order her book. Um, I will be doing the same. So thanks to everybody so much for listening. And if you liked today's episode, please take a screenshot of you listening to it and tag us on Instagram at learn to improve it or improve it on Facebook. You can also do at keeping it real deal, which is my personal Instagram, and use the hashtag failed it podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Kelly. This was so impactful. I mean, this was open, honest, and I just love you. So thank you for sharing this with me and with my audience. Love you back. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Failed It. I'm so happy you're along for the ride. And if you enjoyed today's show, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. I'll see you next week, but wanna leave you with this thought. What will you fail at today and how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I'm proud of you and you are totally failing it. See you next time.